0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Lincoln, <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you, just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer web radio show brought to you by Calm box My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, set to be released this August. Also, national spokesperson for the USDA Avian Health Program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, homesteading and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com That's chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook. I think you can get over to Instagram there as well. But most importantly, you can subscribe to the free digital edition Of Chicken Whisperer Magazine Once again I would like to thank all of you For tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Brought to you by Combox Feeds
1: At Combox Feeds Our layer pellets and crumbles Are all natural, antibiotic free With no animal byproducts Formulated just for laying hens Our feed is fortified With essential amino acids and calcium To ensure maximum production Of nutritious, tasty, strong Shelled eggs From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer.
0: I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors safe and effective moisture absorption, all-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral, contains no-masking scents or chemical perfumes, safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. This looks like a job for... Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll done my super suit. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken.
1: Boing.
0: All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Check out our sponsors when you have a chance and see if they've got any specials going on. Remember, you get a 10% off your entire order at Brensee.com. We'll add a little bit later, but I want to remind everybody, you get 10% off at Brenzi, uh on all of the incubator uh, supplies and, oh, the uh Eco Glow 20, Eco Glow 50, there's candlers they've got, uh, they got some coo- automatic coupe doors, 10% off your entire order when you use the coupon code whisper. Shh, whisper. You'll get 10% off. So we've got that going on as well and that's going on for years and years and years and years. That was before coupon codes were cool. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I hope you all are having a great Thursday afternoon. We are here. It looks like we might get some overnight storms. Last week's storms, we uh, blew a couple of pieces of Big tin off of our storage building. We did fix that today because rain's coming in tonight, so it kind of makes you say, well, I guess I better get up there and fix that. So we got that done today, uh, along with everything else. Hey, if if you haven't been watching our Facebook Live videos, we've been doing a lot of cool testing here on the farm. Um, and, uh, re- I guess we could call it some research at our very basic, uh, level, uh, but hey, we, uh, we're, we're fencing in our garden. It's fascinating videos. It really makes you go, hmm. And we've already had great compliments on it. Like, oh, thanks for doing this. Cause now you just saved me some money. But, um, uh, we put the garden in, oh man, we got tomatoes, we got peppers, we got squash, we got okra, we got cucumber, we got, um. Cantaloupes, we got corn, zipper peas, we got pole beans, we got powder peas, and you name it, we got it in there. I'm So happy, I love spraying, but uh, you got to keep the chickens out. Gotta keep the chickens out. So we said, you know what? We already have pretty much everything we need. Let's just do an electric fence. See how that works on these suckers. So uh, we did the the, the, the the traditional. We got one, you know, already in the front. It keeps the the uh, great pyrenees in, the cows in, the goats in. So we said we'll just do two small strands uh, along the bottom and uh, see if that works. So uh, we hooked it up, and the chargers are rated for bulls and cows and horses and hogs. It's the Mac Daddy, and uh, we got it all hooked up. We know what's working. We put the tester on it. We saw the the cat, one of our cats, one of our barn cats, got popped with it, and doo she ran like a scalded dog. And then, um, uh, but then so I got in the garden, and I was like, all righty, ladies, come on, come see me. Come on. Here they come a running. I said, okay, get ready to cut it off in case one gets, like, shocked and stuck between the and it's a pulse, so it pulses and it shocks and it's off. shocks and it's off. About every second, shock. So it's that pulse type. You all are familiar with them. I didn't know what to expect, but next thing you know, all the chickens are in the garden. So, uh, I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. So, I got, this, I said, I'm going to do this again. I got it all on video. Got the hens coming through it. Their legs are hitting those little uh, metal wire. Like, what? This is just insult to injury. Here they come. Their combs are hitting it. Their waddles. The rooster's leaning up against it with all his weight, kind of walking up and down and trying to figure out, should I jump over this? Should I go under it? Should I go point them? <laughs> Didn't affect them at all. I was like, whatever. I'm Superman. And they just walk through. No problems at all. Um and of course, our guest today, Dr. McCray, I was sharing her experience with that, and she's like, "Well, yeah, feathers are great insulators. They got scales on their legs. It's you know, so uh, what? What you know? So anyway, y'all know now. Yep, not going to happen. So then we said, okay, I'm gonna, We've been, done this before, so we're you know doing this again. We're like, so this time we got some roll netting some pretty good, I don't know if it's plastic or vinyl, but, you know, some good netting. We've used this exact same netting before, but in a four-foot roll, uh, probably about ten years ago, to keep some chickens out of a garden we had. And so, um, So I just said, hey, you know what, let's do this another test. We'll do test number two. We'll get a two-foot roll, um, and then we'll see if the two-foot roll works. So we got that bought, We got it installed. We did videos on it. I showed you this morning. I walked out of there. Still no chickens in the garden. Yeah, I know they can fly over that piece of cake. No problem. If they want to, they all come out of their coops. They kind of wander around. They walk up to the fence of the garden and two feet high, look around. They peck down at it, and they walk around all the outskirts of that two-foot fence, but so far it's been over 24 hours, uh, no chickens in the garden. So I'll keep you all posted on that little two-foot high. Uh, I've had Australorps and even large fowl breeds uh, fly up to a six-foot privacy fence we had at a previous location, again, about a decade ago, and we had some chickens at that location, to, and they, they'd they fly up ten feet high. No, not ten feet high, six-foot high, <laughs> six-foot high privacy fence. So, uh, yeah, I know this is no challenge for them. It's just a matter of, you know, once those glistening red. Bright tomatoes start waving at the chickens going, I'm here. <laughs> see if they notice when they see the whole beans hanging and the, and the, and the uh, uh, cucumber sitting there. And they're like, ooh, that looks like a tasty summer treat. We'll see if they start flying over to get to the good nectar in the garden. Well, we'll see if that happens. We'll do another test and we'll let everybody know. And you'll follow us along to see what works, what doesn't work, how long if it works, if it works and then ended up having to be kind of Fort Knox. So uh, we do all kinds of cool stuff there. The, sh- the uh, odor control shavings test we were doing in the big green coop uh, provided to us by Rita Marie's, um, largechickencoops.com, Seven days odor control shavings. I didn't have really big expectations with this. I'm always skeptical, but when I get stuff to try out, I guess that's just my human nature. Um, But I'm telling you, even me and Jen, she had mentioned it. You know, out of the, she's like, "Hey, that stuff's working." I'm like, "You know, I'm gonna go check it out." You know what? Seven days. We even had people that don't even have chickens uh, with our farm school and some of their parents, and I said, "Look, go smell this coop." This is before we did the test. These are just regular old big box store wood shavings has been seven days what do you smell uh, and we video their response and then for seven days we cleaned out the coop real good we put in these odor control shavings seven days later these same parents get in there and smell take a deep breath wow there's a significant difference here with these odor control shavings they've been in development for over a year now the first round we had them last year they were too fine and they were delivering the odor control substance differently didn't work uh, they weren't happy with the results, so now they're infused into the shavings. And, and I can tell you firsthand, I've requested two more bales of this stuff because I want to do three tests. We've already done two. I want to do a third test with them as well uh, just to confirm what we kind of already know. Mm-hmm. So um, odor control seems to be a big deal right now at Backyard Poultry. Everybody's coming out with the, their their products. we got the Coop Fresh, uh, the Chick Fresh by Coop Care, and um That stuff, again, had no zero expectations, and now you ought to see the reviews that everybody that we kind of uh, talked with to purchase, encouraged them to purchase. Don't just take my word for it, $12.98, try it, and the reviews are coming out now on Amazon and everywhere else, and uh, they're like, oh, my gosh, where have you been all my life for my brooder and my coop? So uh, odor control is a big deal right now in the backyard poultry world, and we're doing our part to test all that stuff. The feed we tested, man, is awesome. If you missed that video where they basically the company took scratch and then put pellets in the scratch, the pellets make apparently the kind of the feed be able to say, okay, this is n- nutritionally balanced or it's a complete feed. And then we did those tests. You saw those tests. We delivered it as a treat. They, all, they, all, they ate all the scratch but left the pellets behind. And then we actually put it in their feeder. We put it in their coop. 24 hours later, same thing. They ate the scratch, left the pellets, Um, and I'm going to be writing up a report for that gentleman here probably next week. So uh, today is poultry research translated. I'd like to say we do our share of research here on our farm, but nothing like the big big boys and the big girls do out there in the research land, but we do what we can here. And uh, today we've got uh, my good friend and colleague and, and a co-author and uh, contributor to the magazine and everything else. Um, we've got poultry scientist Dr. McRae. She's going to be sharing some poultry research translated with us. And uh, just to save me a phone call later, Dr. McRae, I will, unless you've got something that I haven't heard yet, um, I'm not sure again. This will be two weeks in a row. I hate it because it's popular and people love it. But two weeks in a row, we may not. Be able to do the 7 p.m. Um, Q&A tonight on Facebook Live. Uh, I'm going to try to do that, um, and I'll keep you informed. Um, and it may just uh, maybe a 7:30 kickoff, but anyway, I will I will call you and keep you abreast of that uh, with our schedule this afternoon. Cause people kind of love that show, and I hate canceling because it's fun, and we have a lot comes first, so we got to see if that that's going to pan out. Dr. McCrae, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, and uh, bunker down for the storms.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're going to get hit about the same time I am. So um, can you hear me okay? I've got you on speakerphone. I can hear you. Can you
0: hear me okay? I can. I can. Yes, ma'am. Okay.
1: Uh, so my phone is acting up, and I thought maybe I would be able to do this a little easier by speakerphone. Um, so a uh, couple things. Uh, you were mentioning dust. Right? Um uh, odor control with your shavings, right?
0: Um dust.
1: Well odor control with your shavings.
0: Correct, yeah. We've been doing a lot of that over the last over well, the last year trying different products for odor control.
1: So what I've got are two of the first articles. I fortuitous that I chose these articles. And then you started talking earlier about this very same subject. Let me get started with this research review article on air quality in alternative Uh housing systems and its effect or impact on laying hen welfare. Now, the first article is strictly starting with dust. And the reason why anybody cares about this, and, and you hit the nail on the head, when you're brooding, There's dust, Uh, but in a commercial uh, laying hen operation, we're not talking 25 chicks. We're talking, you know, (laughs) thousands of chickens. And um, when you've got that many birds together and you don't have them in cages anymore, not only are you putting them back in contact with their feces, but, you know, there's other stuff in the litter, too, so it becomes an animal welfare concern um, so you've got air that becomes thick with dust that can affect their vision, it can affect their breathing systems, and of course, you have to consider human and employee uh safety so bond dust is an issue topic so what is dust, Andy? How what would you if you had to describe dust, what is it?
0: It's small particles of of material. I mean what? from um well, like when I till my garden and it's very dry, I look behind me and there's dust. So that's that's dust that's created from pieces of dirt or soil, fine soil and dirt rising up. I guess you'd have dust from uh, the shavings, fine pieces of that I guess wood.
1: Exactly. They're yep. coming, wood particles. coming from
0: the shavings. Yeah. Um what I guess else you could have that? you could have dust from dried manure. So you've got manure now traveling yep. through the air. Um, organic. Yep. Organic stuff. I'm to see what else. Um, um I'm sure you've feed. got organized. i know salmonella salmonella can travel on those on those dust particles. I know that she ma exactly,
1: disease. yes, yes, you know sometimes you get feed that gets mixed in to that dust um, sometimes, depending on what you're doing in the building, you can create <laughs> dust when you're using building materials um, you've got dust that contains like you said fecal material. You also contain inside dust um, parts of the chicken's body, Um, pieces of feather down, um, you know, small segments of uh, flaked off dander, that sort of thing is also in dust. But you did a very good job. I, I thought I'd stump you today, but apparently I didn't. You're getting better, Andy. You are getting really good. Some of my old have, my old ways of getting you to interact with me aren't working anymore. You're just on top of it. I've got great <laughs>
0: teachers that come on the show all the time.
1: <laughs> so you've got the old system, which is the caged system where you didn't have all these things that caused as much dust and. Of course, inside a commercial house, you're going to have a ventilation system. Ventilation brings in fresh, clean, cool, or sometimes warm, but preferably cool, (laughs) air. And what exits the house should be um, warmer, moist, um, possibly dirtier air. And when you've got dust involved, um, you know, cage systems didn't really have that problem and, and, you know, the fecal material fell downstairs to a different floor and the airflow dried out that litter very rapidly so that you didn't get fly breeding in there. But with aviary systems and um, floor housing systems that are common Um, due to the European Union ban on conventional cages, um, means that we're back to the problems that we got rid of. Um, However, in furnished cages, which is um, a system that uh, allows birds to perch, allows them access to a dark hidey hole of a nest box, and also allows them access to a dust bath, they have higher dust levels than conventional cages, but lower dust levels than you would find in non-cage systems like aviaries and floor houses. Uh, unfortunately, when we moved away from floor housing systems into cage systems. We did a lot of research to see how it could be done well, done right, and make sure, you know, you don't give up um, a a design change to an increase in mortality or a decrease in egg production. Um, But there's a lot of stuff we left behind as far as research when we moved away from systems or aviary systems so there's a, a lot of gaps in knowledge um, basic knowledge and applied knowledge with regard to how the birds handle um, and deal with airborne contaminants dust and aerosol contaminants um, things that they find um, aversive so they would normally try to avoid those situations um, so you you've got human caretakers that you have to look at you've got um, you've got the air quality for the actual birds themselves how are we going to fix this um clearly more research has to be done it is a bit of a retrospective because like i said we walked away from a lot of these problems um so the the folks that did this particular study or this particular review of the literature they come from Norway, and um, they split this particular review into two sections, one on dust, and the next one I'll talk about, which is ammonia. Um, so high levels of dust in um, you know they they looked at the the literature and they said, okay, still a problem." Sorry, let me turn down my sound in the other phone. I, I apologize for that. Uh, the how the laying hens react to dust, to gas, and to bioaerosols, and that's what it is when you've, just like you said, Andy, when you've got biological organisms hitching a ride on those dust particles, stuff will grow in those chickens' lungs and bodies if the conditions are right, and that makes it a bioaerosol. Um, What are the short-term effects? What are the long-term effects? And what levels of any of those do you have to get to before the birds attempt to resolve the situation themselves by uh, moving away from the situation if they can? Or will their health be directly impacted? Um, So the The respiratory system of a bird, not just a chicken, a bird is really kind of unique. With us, and I've described this before. With us, you can think of it as a a tide pool or a tidal system. When our diaphragm contracts, it expands our lungs, and air enters through our nose or our mouth and goes into our lungs. From there. When the diaphragm relaxes, uh, air is forced out, and it's like a tide pool. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. However, with birds, and some of you who may have, I don't know, at some points in your life may have listened to a Tweety Bird outside your window singing a song for like five minutes straight. You're like, how is he not... Stopping and taking a breath. Well, they're designed differently. It's kind of like a loop. You've got air that comes in and it comes in, it goes straight to the back of the body, but then it loops back around and with the second breath goes into the lungs and then back out. So it's a kind of a continuous stream system where they can sing as the air comes in and goes out, a little more respect and props to birds in their singing capabilities.
0: Sounds like a bagpipe. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: it, it, it's like the little Tweety Birds, like the mockingbird that's probably outside, you know, <laughs> singing away. But um, chickens are a little more uh, simplified in their singing systems. <laughs> they're... they're Vocal repertoire is very different. Um, But, you know, you've got a system that's constantly passing air through, and air doesn't leave the body. From the time the bird breathes in, it takes two breaths for air to fully move around the respiratory system. So it's in there working harder for longer, coming in contact with very thin-walled air sacs, that um, act as bellows and, you know, kind of taken in, in, in that they're only one cell thick. You can actually see through air sac. So the effects of dust on that, um, at least when I spent time in the diagnostic lab, you can see when stuff has just started to take over an air sac, and that air sac is, you know, kind of got, cheesy lesions on it and doesn't want to, it's not as flexible anymore. It becomes a little more rigid. That's because the bacteria have said, ooh, this is fun to grow on. Let's hang out here. Correct me if I'm
0: wrong, but I think that we, I think at the commercial level, uh, deliver some vaccines via aerosol, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, they're still, still working on that, so depending on the particle size, as to whether mm-hmm. or not the vaccine actually gets delivered to the um, to the lungs themselves or if they're deposited to the interior of the bird, um, you know, through the, the bronchioles or the, um, you know, where they, they still come in contact with the inside of the bird and the immune system. But, um, yeah, depends on particle size. Okay. So... Um, I'm not up to date on where they are on that. Years ago when we talked about that, um, they were still probably one or two nanometers still too big to to really get into the lungs themselves. But uh, that doesn't mean that the bird doesn't breathe it in or at least eat it off each other and get into the body at least that way. But yeah, so... When you think about dust, I think I've hashed that as much as I need to. Let's move on to ammonia. Um, Yes, sometimes when we're working in the coop, we breathe in deep. We can tell we just got a lung full of of dust, but sometimes there's ammonia in there too, which is an irritant Um, and not something that we really should be breathing in. Uh, So... Same concept, um, you know, it can change the behavior of the birds and, and the ability of the birds to perform. And I'll actually, I've got a, a third study that goes into ammonia a little bit more, although that was designed differently, and this is more of a review article, but it's a good segue. Ammonia um, tends to be higher in commercial systems that are aviaries and floor systems. Like I said, they're not cages anymore. So you're putting them back in contact with their droppings. And then if you're not necessarily drying those droppings out as quickly and so you can get ammonia production because you don't have the air and the ventilation system moving over um, those droppings in the same way as a conventional cage system. Um, I'm not saying that one system is, Perfect and the other is not I'm just mm-hmm. stating what we know so the most profound effect of ammonia um, is that you know chickens like to move away from ammonia they will you know they're averse to this gas um, one of the problems is that ammonia tends to be high in the winter or the cold season you've got Ventilation systems that are designed to bring in fresh air, but usually you want it to mix with the warm air inside the house to get to a comfortable temperature for the birds. However, wherever you're bringing air in, that's the intake portion of the house, um, that area tends to be a little bit cooler. Um, So we tend to slow down our ventilation system so that we're not shocking the birds by bringing in cold air and freezing them out, which means we're not getting rid of ammonia as quickly. So high concentrations does affect the health of the bird. It will affect production capabilities of the bird. Um, We've talked about this in, in previous shows, Andy. We know that Ammonia will leave lesions in the respiratory tract. One of the things that I've noticed when I visit farms are um, lesions on the eyes. They cause, high levels of ammonia causes blindness. Um, So if a bird is constantly coming in contact with high levels of ammonia, it's stressed out, anything any respiratory problem or secondary problem that normally fight off, it's no longer necessarily going to be able to do that. Um, As a human walking into those conditions, um, you know, we, we've got a monitoring equipment, we've got face masks, you know, we know that certain gases are pungent, can be damaging to our own um, systems. So, you've got chickens that don't necessarily have those systems and, and have to live with, um,
0: you know,
1: whatever the European union says they have to live with. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a welfare concern. Uh, so I hope that the, the continued gaps um, in knowledge and, and studies are being done on ammonia and it's uh mitigation techniques in these um, aviary and and floor housing systems. And I hope, Andy, that in the next five years we will be able to talk more intelligently about ways that we can safeguard our hens and still get eggs and um, not have to worry about uh, the welfare of these birds that are in commercial systems because, doggone it, I like eggs and they're good for me. So I don't mind sharing with the world the fact that, that you know, eggs are great and biologically of value for, for our humans and a great source of protein. Were you going to ask a question?
0: No, I am just laughing at you. Oh, go it. I love eggs, and they're good for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, if you look at the biological value of eggs, they're – they're pretty darn good. They're the most um, mm-hmm. most accessible source of protein for us humans. We le- waste far less of eggs than um, you know other forms of protein, even even uh, plant based forms of protein. So mm-hmm. so let's move on to this segue that I was talking to you about with ammonia okay. and how it affects mm-hmm. production. Um, found a study out of China that was in poultry science journal that is the effects of ammonia on intestinal microflora and productive performance of laying ducks. Uh, We like our chicken eggs and like to eat chicken meat, but other parts of the world like other protein sources and ducks are very popular in Asia. So this particular university, um, has a Department of Waterfowl Breeding and Production. Now, there's a place I would love to go hang out for a couple of days and see what they're up to, uh, with a translator, of course. Um, So we know that ammonia um, can affect ducks equally as it can any other form of poultry. Uh, Exposure time varies depending on what you're doing. Ducks tend to be very messy, have a very high water content to their litter, which means, um, and high water content to their droppings, which means it's a great way for bacteria to start breaking down um, nutrients in the fecal material, and a byproduct of that is gas, ammonia gas. So the intestinal microflora can be affected by. What the birds are breathing in, and how they set this particular study up um, is they they set up two two different levels of ammonia: low, ten parts per million, and what I consider high, and it is high, seventy-five parts per million. Um, that's high enough to cause some some eye damage. Um, Ammonia in those two um, those two uh, treatments were uh, controlled by an ammonia generating um, machinery. And what they did is they raised the ducts in those two p- conditions and um, they also looked at the exposure time. They said, okay, we've mm-hmm. got two different exposure periods, but then let's also see a short period of time and a long period of time. They did 10 days, and they did 30 days, so a month. And they looked at different things on the birds. Of course, they weighed them, body weight. They looked at organs. They looked at the ovary, the spleen, and the liver. And then, of course, these are production birds. They're laying eggs. So they looked at the production performance and recorded it. Um, They also took a look at the actual intestinal microflora and saw um, and cultured it and tried to see what was growing. Um, Now they didn't get down into the, you know, there were 11 salmonella enteritidis and there were 12 Campylobacter. No, they didn't go that far. The system that they used for examining the microflora of the gut was um, sequencing technology, which gives you some genus level results uh, so, what did they end up with after they 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 uh put this to work with the the ducks um, They found a significant difference between uh the groups um the laying rate was lower in ducks that were exposed to the high levels of ammonia for 10 days. Okay. And of course the ducks that were exposed to the ammonia level that was lower, 10 parts per million for 10 days, did better. They found that the spleen weight, the body weight, ovary weights were also decreased when in those ducts that were exposed to the high level of ammonia, 75 mm-hmm. parts per million. <clears throat> they also saw a difference in the bacteria that they cultured. So they found, um, and they actually cultured the different organs to see what bacteria they got from the different organs. Uh, so um, that changed between the two groups. So you might find that the high level of ammonia um, was yielding this bacteria versus another bacteria in the low level of ammonia. So it really can affect the bacteria. And, and we know this, when we try to grow bacteria, we will change the atmosphere in the incubator that we're growing bacteria in so that, that it can grow. I've done that more than twice in my lifetime trying to grow campylobacter for a research study. So one of the things that they found is that the diversity of the the microbiome in the intestines uh, changed, So and it also reduced performance. So it, it, if you are having trouble in your coop, because for some reason maybe the downspout doesn't work or you've got you know you put your coop in a low patch of ground and it's wet and you just you're just having an ammonia problem or you can't get out mm-hmm. there to go take care of the ammonia problem you're going to have problems and you can actually change the bacteria in a relatively short period of time, you can change the bacteria that are growing inside your, your animal's guts. And, and when you change that, you know, it takes longer to change it back. Um, so please, folks, when you're out there and you're working with your birds, keep it clean, keep it dry. Your birds will thank you on more than one level. They will be able to perform better and um, keep their production up. Because like I said, they're not going to lay for you if they feel bad.
0: Um, if um, ammonia is up there, gonna it's, up there. I'm going to say it's ammonia is up there. I use a term when we talk about rodents, mice. I'm like, nothing good can come from having mice and rodents in and around your coop. And it's kind of like ammonia, nothing good can happen to your flock when you've got you know high concentrations of ammonia in there, from the foot pad issues to the blindness to the you just mentioned all kinds of negative effects of having that ammonia in there. So something we gotta we gotta control.
1: Right. So you've just got to think about your birds. They're they're gonna do their best for their own sake. um But you've got to provide them with great conditions, and and if things get away from you, ask for help, make some changes. This is usually when you like to do one of your commercial breaks, so before I go into the next two articles, I thought I'd give you that opportunity.
0: We... Oh, sorry about that. We will do that. So, uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about poultry research translated. Who's talking about it? Our good friend, poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae. This is my favorite show that we always do. They're all good, but this happens to be my favorite uh, because she comes prepared with some really, really cool stuff. Hopefully, you're taking notes, and we're all learning something. And we're, and I love it that we can learn from these studies that are done at the, you know, the per level, the big level, the commercial level, but It affects, you know, if y'all remember correctly, when I went to IPPE this year, I went into every single one of those huge auditoriums, building A, building B, building C, and my goal for the first 10 minutes walking in that building doing Facebook Live was to share with everybody how big ag is in your backyard, whether you realize it and like it or not. When we went into the feed uh, and nutrition area, when we went into the incubation and brooding, when we went into processing, we went through all of those, and I showed you equipment. I showed you firsthand in the first 10 minutes of every single video how it affects your backyard, from even the breeds you buy, an ideal poultry or cackle or Strombergs or everywhere else. So we um, this kind of poultry research is one of my favorite, favorite shows. Already, hey, we're going to go to commercial break. Please stay with us. We'll be back Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at brincea.com. That's brinse dot Cackle Hatchery is a third generation, family owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4 H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website. CackleHatchery.com for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hey, Chicken Whisperer fans. I'm proud to partner with Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. Rita Marie's provides American made, built to order chicken coops with the highest quality and attention to detail. Their mission is to empower Americans with self sufficiency while making America's backyards beautiful. I have one of their coupes. I'm using it for my Bovins Brown layers. I went with a Dutch style coupe that has a classic barn style, and I was able to pick the size, features, and paint and trim colors that I wanted. I was surprised at the overall detail and the quality of construction. Rita Marie's builds the highest quality Amish crafted coops, made to your order for an easy hands-off experience. Remember that not all Amish products are created equal. Find your beautiful new coop at largechickencoops.com. That's largechickencoops.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold-tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck the Golden 300, or any of our other 35 plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. Alrighty, we've already talked about uh, one product earlier in the show uh, when we were talking about odor control, and that was the uh, Chick Fresh. And we told you about how we used this for several months before it even came to market. And how I guess just personality, like most things, I was very skeptical. But once we started using this, and we were seeing firsthand in all of our coops, four or five of them, uh, and in our brooders, um, and we've done that as well. The typical brooder with the you know rubbermaid bin, you know, we set one up like that uh, with this uh, chick fresh, and the elimination of not only. Uh, the reduction of but also odor and ammonia control as well and it's all natural it uses enzymes and don't take my word for it you can go to um, Amazon and look up uh, Chick Fresh odor control it pops up I think it's twelve ninety eight, and you can see the other reviews that are on there not from me of uh, people and, and it's not just hey this stuff is pretty good I mean they're really raving about it so I encourage you to go check that out and they often often have contests over on their Facebook page, if you go to Coop Care, search on Facebook, and you'll find them, and they'll have contests just about every week where you can uh, enter and win some free Chick Fresh as well. And the other thing I wanted to tell you about is uh, very excited uh, is the um, uh, Poultry Delight that is now finally on Amazon as well. Probiotic, prebiotic, electrolytes, vitamins, amino acids. Uh, it is in there. We have used it here, again, almost a year before it was released. And we use it in everything. Um, our chicks, we got it right now out in our chicks, our bovins brown. We're doubling our layer capacity here. Um, and we got it in brooders. Uh, we got our meat birds. We're raising our meat birds now. They'll be ready to process in one to two weeks. I think they'll be five weeks I think there'll be six weeks coming up this Monday, uh, so you know one week to two weeks, depending on if we want boiler or roaster size raising our meat birds on this, um, and then in our uh, our layers as well. So you want to check it out. So mainly if you're buying oh, i got to go buy my probiotic, oh, i got to buy, you know, the prebiotic. oh, i got to buy electrolytes to have it on hand, oh, I've got to buy, you know, some vitamin and mineral mix or whatever, then mm-hmm. you can just take one jar. And the, the one reason why I like it, if you don't already know, uh, if you're a long-time listener, is this developed by scientists um, with a global, they're out of Germany, um, nutrition and supplement company for, chickens so it's not just some concoction that was made up Hey, I'm going to try this that or the other one reason I like that chicken at delight d-e-l-y-t-e like electrolyte chicken delight you can find it on Amazon as well there's two products that we use routinely here on the farm now after testing it and you know if we don't like it it goes away You see us test a lot of things here. They won't follow up with it because it goes away because we didn't like it. We're not trashing the company and saying, hey, don't buy this. We didn't like it. It just goes away. That's why we test more things here than most anybody in the country when it comes to backyard poultry. And we're going to continue that, hopefully, with Dr. McCray with something else we're working on as well. So, oh, and the... uh, um, uh, zero-waste chicken-keeping book is is done, and uh, hopefully it'll be out in August to give you a reminder about that. Okay, we've got just a couple of more that we're going to be talking about with poultry research la- uh, translated with poultry scientist Dr. McCray. I'm ready for another hello,
1: one. Hello, I'm back. So, um, we're changing things up, moving away from air, and moving towards the eyeballs and the gut. Okay, eyeballs. So, this one takes a look at three different th- uh feeding regimes and whether or not flashing lights has an effect on broiler chick production. So flashing lights. A, yeah, it seems so cool. Um So so, so kind this of... is a
0: the, the effect ahead. that we have when we're the effect that we have with flashing lights when we're riding down the road and we see those flashing blue lights behind us, it affects us. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Or when you have a small child and they finally figured out that the light switch does something and it just keeps going on and off and on and off and on and off. Or you, you
0: have that very annoying. Um, um Hall mate in college that finds it funny to at three a.m. pull the fire alarm and all the strobe lights go off, and and you uh. probably have a good idea of of who it is, and 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 yeah, you have that reaction to that strobe light going
1: on. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, geez. So, so flashing lights it's and chickens. This is going to be interesting.
1: This a, a, looks like it was a joint partnership between some researchers in Egypt, and that's actually where the research took place, and another researcher in China. So okay. um, what they did is they looked at um, broilers, cob broilers, and yeah. they the three different types of feeding regimes. Um the kind that we all use, put the feed down in front of them 24-7. They always have access to feed. We call that ad libitum, okay? They can eat whenever they want, however much they want. Then they had another one called restricted. And their restricted one was where they had, um, they, they put the feed down for 12 hours a day. That's it. 12 hours freed was put in front of them, for 12 hours the feed was gone. Okay? And then they had one called intermittent, where they had four hours where the feed was in front of them, four hours where the feed was taken away, four hours feed in front of them, four hours feed taken away, so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Um, so they had groups that were on different feeding regimes, and then they tried. Two different lighting regimes 100% continuous light, or some groups got 50% continuous light and 50% intermittent light flashing. Um, each group had five replicates and 15 chicks in each replicate, and there was no ambient light in. The research room, so they covered out or used blackout curtains so that ambient light would not affect the results. Um, that's actually something that that uh, commercial people do when they're trying to raise pullets up to um, you know a certain body maturity before getting them to start lay. They use um, blackout curtains and they'll even put their fans with blackout systems in them. Um, so this intermittent light was 20 light flashes per minute, per minute, um, provided by incandescent bulbs. And, you know, they, they were looking at the actual light levels down where the birds were, not where up we tall humans stand. Mm-hmm. There's down where the birds are. And they were basically trying to get, you know, in the middle of the room, somewhere between 5 and 10 lux, which is a light measurement. Um, birds had access to water, you know birds had um plenty of room, but they did this for um six weeks, and they had a normal diet they um you know they didn't change up the actual formulation of the diet; it was just how much and how often food was put in front of them and and the light. so what do you think happened, Andy?
0: No, geez. I'm just sitting here thinking that I have visions of – got to share this. I'm having – I'm like, who comes up with this stuff? And I said – I told myself, I said, I know who comes up with this stuff. It was a bunch of poultry science students that went out yeah. to the club one night. They went out to the club <laughs> one night, and they had. <laughs> and they got the strobe lights and the little sparkly ball hanging from the ceiling, and they got some retro music going on. And they have at, maybe have had a maybe have had a few drinks, and they're thinking, oh, "Man, we ought to do a study where like we put strobe lights in. the, in the <laughs> and to see how."
1: it's the exact <laughs> same thing.
0: I'm telling you. That's exactly what's crossing my mind. So,
1: <laughs>
0: I and mean, so, oh, my goodness gracious. That's what I'm visualizing here. So, oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know what happened in that case. I mean, it would probably annoy the, you know, out of me to have this 20 flashes of light every single minute. And I'm trying to eat and I'm trying to drink. And, yeah, well, I remember, can't remember,
1: it was 50% intermittent and 50% continuous. So, um, you know, it wasn't flashing light all the time. It was 50% continuous, 50% flashing. Um, okay, so here's the results. They looked at body weight. They looked at average daily gain. Um, they looked at feed conversion ratio. And um, they actually also looked at tenderness and juiciness of the actual broiler meat. So here's what some of the things that they um, – uh, oh, and they also looked at um, the immune system response. So here's some of the things they found. Um, oh, my gosh. Broilers that had ad libitum and intermittent, intermittent feeding programs weighed more. They gained more, and they had the lowest feed conversion ratio. Um, they checked this out at three weeks old and six weeks old. Um, broilers that... <laughs> Had the flashing light and also had the intermittent feeding regime. Remember, that was four hours on, four hours off with the food. Um, had the highest body weight and average daily gain values as well as the lowest feed conversion ratio. Interesting. Um, birds exposed to intermittent feeding had the highest. Dressed carcass weight, lowest heart weight. Um, Broilers (laughs) with flashing light had more tenderness and juiciness values. Um, Broilers subjected to the restricted feeding regimen. So that means they Mm -hmm. had 12 hours with access to feed and then 12 hours were, nope, no feed. Sorry. So those chickens um, that had the flashing light and the restricted feeding regime had the lowest abdominal fat values for all the groups. Tenderness and juiciness was higher in broilers that had um, ad libitum and flashing light. Um, And also same for intermittent and flashing light. Broilers that were given um, the intermittent feed had the lowest spleen and, um, you know, stress immune system ratio. Um, I don't know how they did this because I I haven't scanned down yet, but they did do body temperatures. Um, Body temperatures were lowest for intermittent and flashing light. Uh, So, they looked at bones, they looked at foot pad burns, breast blisters, hawk discoloration, mortality, and there was really no difference in any of the the groups. Um, so it seems to be the intermittent feeding patterns and restricted feeding in um, a flashing light program really didn't have any adverse effects on the birds. Um, but, you know, i don't know this this could be a trend um maybe it's uh uh, if half the time you've got the lights (laughs) off at least you're saving money on your (laughs) your light bill (laughs) rather than keeping the lights on all the time
0: we're going to stop by the mall today we're going to go in spencer's and get a strobe light and we're going to put it in our meat bird too okay because the meat will be that's not the
1: same thing andy not the same thing. <laughs> Come on. We're gonna put some,
0: we're gonna put some Depeche Mode on and uh, turn the music up, oh. and let them let them boogie out, and, and put a strobe light in there. And uh...
1: how do you know Depeche Mode is what chickens like to listen to? That's a different study. You don't know that. You might have it strobing at the wrong frequency. <laughs> I wish you
0: could see I wish you could see my baby chicks how old are they now the Bovins Browns and the GQF or are they two weeks old now or three just two they're somewhere between two and three weeks old and I've got a big uh, 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 it's actually the speaker I use when I'm doing public address and I have it sitting on a can out there and I'll hook it to my phone when I'm out working in the garden or something and and you ought to see those chicks. they will just be just chilling out, no problems at all. And then all of a sudden, the first song comes on, and it's like I don't know, Merle Haggard or Hank Jr. or somebody, and it just comes on, and it's just like, <laughs> and they just run all the way over to the completely other side of the brooder. It's just, it's, and they get used to it. You know, <laughs> that first big, they just like. Bleh. But uh, yeah, strobe, oh. strobe lights. Maybe that'll be the
1: next. Time. I'm sure strobe there's a study out there that looked at the type of music the chickens like. You might have it all wrong, Andy.
0: Millie Vanilli and oh. some some
1: <laughs> <laughs> and some pink colored strobe lights. That's Andy, I'm <laughs> gonna give you some bad news. Okay, man. Are you ready? You're not meant to be a DJ sorry. (laughs) Yes, I am
0: in a 1980s roller skating rink.
1: Thank you very much. (laughs) You teach those chickens to roller skate, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That
0: would be a great DJ in an 80s roller skating rink. Maybe late 70s. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Oh, man. So this proves, folks, that you can literally just do a study on anything your heart desires with with poultry and find out what their feed conversion is and how tender and juicy the meat is going to be.
1: Yep. Oh, yep. my goodness. Well, Those the last are good. one I'm going to leave you with, the last study that I found interesting I thought I'd bring to you is, is a little heavier as far as Um. So <laughs> hang in there. It's a, a study that took uh, a look. It's an economic evaluation. Of, you know that avian influenza can come in a couple different forms, high pathogenicity and low pathogenicity.
0: And low path, yep. So, I just found low path in Pennsylvania, I think it was, this week, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, it it pen- <laughs> Low path tends to creep around there, but this is looking at low path avian influenza in northeastern United States live bird market and the economic oh. impact of that. Um, so just as a, a little review for you listeners out there, um, you know, there are strains of avian influenza that have mad skills. They can show mm-hmm. up in your bird and be low path, but there's a couple of strains of avian influenza that have, you know, periodically for unknown reasons to us switched to high path causing 75% mortality. And it, you can't look at in the low path and go, hmm, looks like you're going to cause us some trouble. So no, you can't do that. Um So H5 and H7 subtypes of the virus tend to be the ones that cause um, that switch over. And, you know, so now when we get low-path avian influenza, we take it very seriously and we do a cleanup. So there have been times in the Northeast, which, you know, has a long history of having live bird markets, they've had low-path and you know people will say but it's not it's not high pathogenicity why are you making me do this full clean out get rid of all the birds and clean all my equipment it it's not that organism well i just told you why in the last couple of years um, there's a couple of researchers one in tennessee and one in colorado who took a look at uh, these low path avian influenza um, outbreak in the uh, 2016 outbreak um, in the Northeast. And they looked at the cost estimates and they, they wanted to see what does bringing in birds that have this organism do to your cost, your income. If you are a mm-hmm. live fowl market owner, so the perspective is really interesting if you're a live fowl, live bird market owner, what's it going to cost you? Um, you know, you'd know, you hate to have this happen once. You'd really hate to have it happen more than once in a year. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they also looked at what does it cost the government mm-hmm. to deal with one of these live bird markets that tests positive. Um, so sometimes, you know, there's really low margin on running a live bird market. Um, when you have to clean up, you have to shut down. You have to, um, do the cleaning yourself in some cases. Other times the states may, or the, the government say, no, you have to have, um, uh, our, Government employees come in who are trained to use this equipment and do the train the cleaning, but you're shutting down for three to five days, and that's Mm -hmm. money you're not making. Mm -hmm. So they kind of looked at this um, with some very specific assumptions. Um, The average number of birds in the live live fowl market in the Northeast was 650, although. There were markets that they visited that had as few as five hundred or as much as eight hundred. They they looked at the cleaning and disinfection costs as borne by the live bird market owners. Um, That was not necessarily the cost of the government response. That was the responsibility of live bird market to clean things up and use the right kinds of disinfectants and do all the steps and procedures, wear the correct um, personal protective equipment when you're working with the disinfectant. Um, but some states required, like I said, the life bird markets, do the, use the animal health officials for consistency. And, um, but the cost was borne by the live bird market. Um so we are dealing with means, um, tests that they looked at, um, they looked at tests by the animal health agencies, like disease tests and labor hours. So they're just trying to track, you know, where's, where's the money going when you have one of these incidences? Um, they, in this particular study, they did not report any names, um, So, here's what they came up with. Uh, They looked at uh, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania live bird market. And they basically came up with the estimated cost of the H5 um, low-pass outbreak in 2016 was $84,370. So, You know, there's a lot of disruption due to cleaning and disinfection. Um, Essentially, if you are a live fowl bird market owner and you've got birds that show up at your door and they're positive, it's going to cost you just to do the cleaning about (laughs) $4,000. And you're going to be closed for three to five days. Mm -hmm. Um, For each one of the outbreaks that year, the the responding government agencies were basically on average spending 800, just over $800 per outbreak on their tests, on their Mm
0: -hmm. um, labor.
1: So, you know, it's, it's, Trace back investigation it's testing costs it's the cost and and the actual action of cleaning and disinfection, so there's a lot of money that goes into this, and it's not pretty. People get nasty defensive um, you know it, it if you look at the cost of cleaning and disinfection um you know if you're doing an Eight-hour day of work. You're going to have two people working on it, you know. And then, of course, the cost of the materials. Those, those. That, that's kind of how you you're going to calculate your your cost of cleaning and disinfection. Um, and then, of course, you've got to get your birds back in and explain that to your customers. Not easy. Um, so. <coughs> Um, so disease testing really accounted for about 50% of the government expenses and the greatest amount, and then the remaining 50% of the government costs was split into inspection, management, vet services, and laboratory service time. So <clears throat> there you go, about, about a 50-50 split on that. Um for sounds, total government costs to like, uh, eighty four thousand dollars. What? Sorry, go ahead. Sounds
0: to me like so, sounds to me like biosecurity would be a lot cheaper.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, at least um, making sure that the birds that come into a live bird market are healthy and not carrying anything, so that you don't have to shut down. Because um, it's not a fun process. But there you go. It was interesting perspective, and it's not often that I get to bring you something that's an economic uh, valuation of, of what takes place. But And sometimes we forget about this when we're talking about diseases is, you know, what does it cost to deal with a low pass? Because, um, mm-hmm. of course, they had to trace back where those birds came from and, and test those flocks. But there you have it, Andy. That's your... Your poultry research translated for Thursday afternoon in uh, spring uh, 2019.
0: Well, that was awesome. Uh, when you when he texted me the other day, I was like,
1: "Poultry research translated, yippee!"
0: It, uh, it is oh, and I have one more
1: announcement for you. Okay.
0: Big announcement. Hang on. Wait. 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 What? Hang on a minute. <laughs>
1: Okay, so um, now that I'm here in Alabama, I have switched things up, and I have um, gone back to my old Facebook ways and have created a Facebook page just for small flock owners. It is the Center for Small Flock Research. And every day I post an educational tidbit of information on there, so I hope your listeners We'll go on to Facebook and take a look and, um, you know, learn something new every day because that's what makes mm-hmm. keeping chickens so much fun. And then, we, then when you have your Easter celebration this weekend, you can, you know, whip out five or six poultry facts and people will be like, dang, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll be ready. You can rock with the best Are of them. Good-
0: and that, visit your page, and then just memorize the 4-H avian bowl manual uh, <laughs> that actually came in, the mail this, that came in the mail this week.
1: Oh, cool. Nice. Yes. So it's thanks got, for that. It's got yeah. three hole punches, so you can put it in the binder.
0: That's exactly
1: right. And
0: excited when she got that. So um, thanks for that recommendation. So it's now. small
1: flock research, and I hope you guys enjoy and sometimes I do insert my humor in some of these things that you uh, mm-hmm. read every day. But take a look. Uh, there's small. one there for our neighbor to the north today. <laughs> I hope your listeners to it right enjoy. Now. And, uh, yeah, I hope your listeners enjoy. And, um, and uh, you know, it will be a great way for you to to just learn and and build up your knowledge base for your for, on behalf of your chickens.
0: Okay, let me make sure I'm at the right one cuz I think this may have been the uh an old one.
1: It's just um Center it's for Small center Flock for Research.
0: Research. Okay, so let me go back cuz the old one came up probably because that was the one I always went to. So, the or just Center for. The Center for or just Center for Small no. Flock, research? Center for. In center for a small block research. Uh, wait a minute. Hang on, let me look again. <laughs> okay, there, okay, that one.
1: Now, the only thing that comes up, Dr. the old Craig, ones are going little, down.
0: Okay, for the, the and innovation. That one's going away.
1: Yeah, the ones that say innovation on it, those are, are coming yeah. down.
0: Okay, that's all I have coming up. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh that would be a page. Let me click on that. And let me this Center for Small Flock Research. Um We'll talk about this after the show, after we go off air, because it's okay. not coming up for me when I do a, when I do a Facebook search. I get the old one, but I don't get the new one. So we'll, we'll troubleshoot that and see why not. So because um, I want all our listeners to obviously go there and learn something every single day from a culture professional, and uh, that's why I was <laughs> like, let me try this. And, this, and so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get all that worked out and uh, see what I'm doing wrong on my end. But thank you very much for coming on the show today. And how awesome is that? One of my favorite shows. If you have, And I will keep you up to date uh, hourly on whether we'll get together this evening at 7 for our Facebook Live, 7, okay. 7.30ish. And uh, we'll go from there. Hey, thanks for coming on today. We'll see you next time. Take care, Andy. Great. Thank you so much. Dr. McCray. Uh, over at Auburn University, she's been coming on the show for about a decade now. Contributor uh, to uh, Chicken for Magazine, co-author of every single book that, that we've ever done, and um, great and uh, been coming on the show. So we so we love that. But um, yeah. As soon as I'll post a link on my Facebook page, as soon as I get the appropriate link to her new page, and um, we'll get that done, so you can follow her and then you know you're getting the right information that you need to raise a healthy flock of backyard chickens. So we're going to do that. Um, I can't 100% confirm that we will be live at 7 uh, or even 7.30. We're going to try it tonight, but um, I'm just not sure. It just seems a lot of variables. So we will try to do it. If not, then we'll definitely convene next Thursday at 7 p.m. on our Facebook Live, where we answer your questions live on Facebook. Uh, and people really enjoy that. We give away prizes and have good laughs, but I'm not sure it'll pan out tonight either. But we'll do our best. So hey, thank you very much for tuning in, and um, I will post that link to Dr. McRae's new um, Center for um, Small Flock uh, Research um, a little bit later, as soon as I figure it all well, out. So hey, thanks for tuning in. Oh, I got one more here. Another great sponsor of the show. And Ideal, Ideal Poultry is our longest sponsor. They hold that title, uh, eleven years strong now since we've been doing the broadcast over uh, eleven 1, hundred episodes. And they've been us, They've been with us. Ideal Poultry in Cameron, Texas, has been with us through every single episode we've ever done. So thank you very much, Ideal Poultry. Hey, this is the Chicken Whisperer. I'll see you next time. <coughs>